Hi, I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard and welcome to a special breaking news edition of Radio Brews News. After several weeks of rumours, or actually after almost a year of rumours, Bolter Brewing has this morning announced its sale to CUB for an undisclosed sum. These announcements always see a passionate response from the beer community and so we always try and have a conversation with the owners to get their first-hand story about the sale rather than try and interpret it for you and we have managed to do that again today. Without any further ado, this is my conversation with Sterling Howland, Ant McDonald, Scott Hargraves and McFanning about the background of the sale and what it means to Bolter. And I'm joined for this very special edition of Beer as a Conversation by Sterling Howland, the brand director and co-founder of Bolter, Ant McDonald, CEO and co-founder, Scott Hargraves, brewmaster and co-owner, and Mick Fanning, co-founder and uh, surfing legend. So uh, I guess, Stills, the, the first question is one for you, and uh, big news today. Um, you've made a big announcement. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, mate. Um, thanks for having us on, uh, Matty. I think you're the first person we met in craft beer, so it's probably good to be having this chat to you. Um, mate, yeah, you've you probably already heard, if you're listening to this, that um, Bolter is sold to uh, Carlton United Breweries. Um, it's obviously a pretty monumental day for us here um, at Bolter. You know, we've been the, probably the, the subject of so many buyout rumours, I think, since the very first day we started, and I think probably we've sold maybe 50 or so times already um just turns out that the 51st time is actually true so um yeah there's never any real truth to any of it and uh this time here we are having a chat to you so talk us through the decision um to, to sell it you know there have been a lot of rumors any successful brewery is obviously going to be spoken about and it's going to be the target of uh prospective uh buyouts but Bolter is uh, an incredibly successful uh, brewery, beer, and brand. What was the, the the reasoning behind you know selling and selling now? Well, I guess a number of factors came into play uh, for us. You know, we've been going at a pretty crazy trajectory for a number of years now. It's been a wonderful ride for us, but it's definitely um, a ride that probably it definitely hasn't just been smooth sailing. You know. Um, We've got a pretty um, hard-working engine in this in this business, and I guess um, if you rev the engine for a long period of time, it can it can sort of take its toll on 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 that engine, I guess. So, you know, like I said, we hadn't really had any of these discussions in the past. Um, just after the hottest 100 this year in March, uh, we were approached by Carlton United. Um, it was just a chat at that stage. There was nothing more to it. Um, you know, we, we started to talk amongst ourselves and, and what it would actually mean. And um, I guess we sort of got to the point where we're like, okay, well, let's have this chat um, a little further. You know, when you're under that much pressure, I guess, as the, the team has that's been here, um, to be able to relieve that was a pretty in, enticing sort of um, opportunity for us. But I guess there was a there's a lot more to play though because we've built something here that we're extremely proud of. Um, we have a wonderful beer that that Scotty and the brew team make. Um, you know, we've built this brand into something that Aussies really love, and we have a staff here that uh, I guess are the backbone and the underpinning of all of that. And for us, um, we had to really sort of delve deep into what it meant for all those things and whether they'd be compromised or not. 
um, we got to a point where we were going, well, it looks like we can not have our cake and eat it, but we can definitely um, protect the things that we've come to really hold dear to us. Um, and, you know, I think that's when the talks really progressed. And um, then there were some sub-factors to it as well. You know, we have friends and family that have invested in Bolter since, um, since day one. We were just an idea on a piece of paper. And, you know, these folks and friends of ours, just they put their hard earns behind us. Some of them, it was their life savings, which was pretty um, nerve-wracking for us. Um, there's a bit of pressure in dealing with people's um, finances like that. Um, so for us to be able to sit here today and look them in the eye and say we, um, you know, we didn't mess it up, uh, it was a pretty good feeling as well. You know, without uh, those 46 friends and family, none of this actually probably would have got off the ground the way it had. You know, I guess, and then back to our staff, we had to really understand that that our staff in this whole process were going to were, were first and foremost. You know, and we modelled the next five years out on going it alone and um, we did we cut that cake every which way we could um, but it came back to it was going to be a pretty big slog hey Ant? Yeah I think I think Maddie just to jump in from from my perspective you know I'm sort in the hot seat I get to see in one way very lucky I get to see every element of this business from from cash flow to sales through to capex through to um, uh, employees and and um, which is a, a, an amazing opportunity I've had to, to walk into this business from, from the very ground up. And, um, you know, where we got to, to with this was we wanted to, um, when you do a deal, it needs to be a win-win for everyone, and we really mean that. It's just not about shareholders, it's about staff. It's also about the vision that we have collectively as co-founders and senior management where we want Bolts to go. And um, we have been uh, contacted for years, to be honest, from, from you know, all multinationals and even other independent brewers in Australia and we never really entertained it because until someone really came to us with something that um, ticked all the boxes um, from an investor perspective, um, from uh, an employee perspective and you know we have to take it very serious when you're a size of our business that you employ over 60 employees, um, there's mortgages behind that, there's families behind that and successfully are in this business, uh, it takes a lot of money to continue to to run a business at this pace, and sometimes you've got to step back and, and really understand the risk. Um, we've taken a lot of risk in this business, a lot, and, and um, a lot of people think that we um, the boys chipped in millions of dollars to start with, but um, that didn't happen. And um, uh, you know, we're the same as every other business, and we've taken a lot of risk and um, educated risk. But you get the point where you really got to understand. Where do you think the next five years is? And when your business the size of ours, you're taking on a lot of risk and you need to protect that. And um, this, uh, I suppose, the partnership that we form with CUB really, um, for us, gets to hold our integrity. Um, we talk a lot about de-risking the business um, and that's a really important thing moving forward. I think, you know, in the next few years, there's, there's a lot of saturation in the market at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of micro, macro sort of economic pressures on the economy. I think, you know, our forecast for next probably two years weren't as probably bored as they were uh, a year ago and um, when we really look at it um, if we can achieve all our goals that we want as a senior management um, you know still brew the beer here still execute the brand that we want um, and be able to pay back our family friends and protect our staff um, it's a win-win for everyone and um, you know we're really excited about being able to grow Bolter further into the future.
What I'm hearing is, is, is it's a fairly common theme that we hear from breweries uh, that have gone through rapid growth. They reach a point and then it's, um, you know, we, we need to look after our staff, we need to look after our brand. You know, there's founders fatigue. Uh, if we want to keep growing, we need access to capital. Is this proof that as the uh, industry matures, that it is incredibly difficult for independent brands to grow without that capital injection that comes from you know sale to a big established brewery i think um, it's, a, it's a good point i don't think it's it's um you can't do it and i think stone woods and actually you know should be applauded more for what they've actually done in the beer landscape i know um firsthand how hard it is to run a business in terms of cash flow um and, and what they've done i think is absolutely incredible um do i think someone will achieve that type of volume and that independence i think it'll maybe a long time for for that to happen and and it may not in the market that we are. We've got so much um, choice in beer now um, with all independents coming through. And we we done a, a look, when we started the idea in 2015, I think there was 200 or 215 breweries. I think now there's 650 or 700 or whatever the number is. So for us, there's more choice in the market and um, which gives more competition to, to tap points um, and, and there's more choice to consumers. So um, I don't think it's harder. It's just you take a lot of risks the bigger a business gets, the more risk there is and more people can be affected from, from something not going 100% to plan. We've seen a number of uh, buyouts. You know, uh, CUB, who uh, has purchased Bolter, um, has Four Pines, they've got Pirate Life, uh, they'll soon have Mountain Goat um, and Green Beacon. They've got their own range of craft beer brands. Are you at all worried that there is only so much attention that a big business can give to any one brand and it might actually hurt that you'll just get lost in amongst the noise of competing brands within the, the, the business? Um, I think from, from my perspective, Matty, you know, we've always sort of focused on what we can control, not what, what we can't. And for us is, you know, if we're still making the beer that we make today and we're creating the brand that, that we are, then it's resonated extremely well with the Australian public. And I think we can take that type of um, ethos into the next stage of our journey. And um, we're actually really excited to be a sort of, I suppose, welcoming the family of those breweries and pretty astounding um, breweries, as you mentioned. And we're excited to learn from those guys as much as hopefully they'll be around the other way. And, um, you know, the more we can grow the, the good beer message, the better for us and the better for our consumers. And, um, yeah, like we can't, I suppose, ultimately tell you exactly how that will play out, but we're very confident in the skill set we have as a business that we um, can work very well in that type of uh, structure. But one of the things that we hear in the, the pipeline that comes through big breweries is, for example, you know, they've got their Christmas releases coming up or the, the beers that they want to release and, you know, they've got sales reps. Uh, and Well, I, I guess I should ask, are, are you going to be um, integrated through their sales teams or are you going to maintain a, a separate entity within the, the, the CUB business? No, we'll be keeping a, a separate entity. So we'll obviously be working with our sales team, but we'll have our, our same uh, dedicated sales force as we currently have. Um, and we're actually probably looking to, to grow that in the next uh, sort of 12 months as well. Maybe you can explain to me what the uh, mechanics are of the sales. So you've, you're being purchased, but you'll, you'll still retain you know, a certain degree of autonomy within the business? Yeah, and that was a really big thing for us, Matty, is that we, we didn't want to compromise on anything that uh, we currently do. And um, for us to be comfortable moving forward, we had to still have um, you know, 
as much control as possible on the business. You know, I'm still CEO. Um, Scotty's staying on. The uh, Stirls, Azza, Peter, head of sales, the whole senior management team's staying on. All the all our workers are staying on. So really, for us, it's business as usual tomorrow. Um, we obviously um, will sort of work at arm's length. Obviously, we understand um, uh, the connection with with uh, CUB, and we'll, we'll look to form a really strong partnership for them to to, to grow us nationally. Okay, well, and, and going back to the question I initially asked is, will there be any curb on, you know, if uh, Four Pines has got a beer coming out uh, at the end of November, will, will there be any curbs on uh, you guys having to schedule um, when your beer releases are coming out? No, will there be no. that sort of... No, no, we, we obviously run our, our business separately. And, you know, looking at CUB too and the discussions we've had, that's how they want it as well. Um, I guess they're buying us for, for what we've brought to the game and they don't want to mess with that formula at all um, and we've kind of got it in writing too and um, and I'd imagine that's how they're, they're operating with Pirate Life and Four Pines as well. Both brands seem to be going strength to strength at the moment um, and yeah, for all everything from everything we've seen, it just seems like be as you are and away we go. And, and Scotty, one of the criticisms that's often labelled at or you know, put at the feet of the big brewers is when there's growth, everything's fine. But as soon as the growth curve you know, tapers a little bit, that's when the accountants start getting involved. And you know, how will you feel your products, uh, your, the, the beers that you make are so driven by the quality of the ingredients that you use and you know, having great relationships with Yakima Chief, for example. You know, what protections have you got that the quality of the beer and the way you express yourself through the beer won't change, um, you know, if we do start seeing a little bit of a slowing of growth? Mate, we've got, um, it's enshrined in the sales contract. We've got it in writing. Um, We probably wouldn't be talking to you right now about this at all if that wasn't the case. It's a central pillar uh, amongst, you know, four or five others about, uh, if this was going to happen at all. From any sort of point of view that you look at it, I mean, when people are attracted to Balta, you know, it's obviously it's about the beer and the brand and the culture and um, everything that encapsulates what Balta is. And if you change those elements, you don't really have Balta anymore. So, you know, it'd be from, from anywhere you sit, I think it'd be utter madness to try and mess with that. And, you know, I had to I had to feel secure in that, uh, most definitely the, the, you know, my beers, my babies weren't going to be played with. And that's most certainly, you know, not the case. It's, it's um, if anything, you know, it just means that, that um, we push forward and we can make more of the beer that we've, you know, been known and loved for. Um, you know, I have absolutely no intention of changing ingredients, the relationships with our suppliers, which are really, really heavily... Um, um, you know, they're, they're massively important to what we do. It's not just the fact, for instance, when you talk about Yakima Chief, it's not just the fact that they're the hops I use, it's the relationships I have with the growers and the farmers and, and that Bolter has with, with that particular company, you know, that, that is also a huge part of what the beer itself is and what, what Bolter as a brand is, you know. We, right across the board, um, you know, not, not just talking about hops, that's, that's what we're about, you know. And that's what, that's what all good beer, I think, is about. You know, it's beyond just dollars and cents because, um, you know, we've we've made sure, and, and Anne in particular has been a, an absolute warrior in, um, you know, um, 
been on the front foot for us and probably calming my fears more than anybody else's. I've, I think I've probably come and knocked on ants' doors about 100 times <laughs> and just made sure that uh, no one's touching my hops, right? You know, and and, and we've you know we've we've got that. We're not we're There's not a here. Path from Scotty's office through to my office. <laughs> it says no pain on the floor anymore. But you know that, that there there is no point. You know, I certainly wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. You know, it was it's massively important um, that that you know as the beer being central to what we do that 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 wasn't going to be compromised. That that the integrity of what we've always done was still there. Otherwise, we're liars and this whole thing would mean nothing. And I think, mate, just my input on that is, um, you know, the biggest part of why we've moved forward is because we'd be able to secure this type of protection um, and, and CUB want us to, 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 to be proud of, of who we are and what we are. And um, we've protected that, um, obviously, from a contractual perspective as well. And, um, yeah, we're excited that we'll be brewing exactly the same beer that's today, tomorrow, and um, we know into the future that that will continue. Have Have you looked at the history of CUB and seen you know they, they've had some great brands that they've messed around with and you know arguably um, damaged as a result of that? You know, what is it that gives you the confidence that they've learned from that experience? No, I think you probably got to look at people's last rodeo, really, and you know if you see what. Um, you know, Four Pines have been managed to do, they haven't taken their foot off the gas at all. You know, they won the AIBAs this year with their Schwarz beer and um, they continue to brew just wonderful, wonderful beer. And Pirate Life, I feel, you know, we went down to the brewery um, sort of back in May and they felt like they'd been making the best beer that they've ever made. And, um, you know, we chatted to Mick back then, not about anything like this, but just sort of getting his take on where they're at. And they seem really thrilled and all accounts at Four Pines as well. They feel like they've, they've, they're free to be who they are and do what they need to do. And um, we can only sort of go off that. Um, I think you could go way back in history and you might find some stuff. But as for right now, uh, it seems pretty sharp and, and these breweries are kind of proving it. I think, Matty, that there's um, that the landscape itself has changed. I, th- I think the whole rules of the game have changed in, in beer in Australia now. There's, you know... Um, you know, there's such a wide and broad uh, palette, if you like, um, of colours out there. And, you know, we're obviously one of those colours. And I just don't think that um, that it makes any real sense at any point of view to mess with something that's special, that it's, you know, that's... We, we run a... We've already run what we, you know, we think the a, a pretty tight, pretty lean business, you know, Um it's not like we've been you know, sloppy or irresponsible by any means. You know, we've always been really disciplined and, and really planned. And, and these guys respect that. You know, they, they understand what a, what a wonderful brand this business is, apart from, from how good the beer, you know, uh, is, is received. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, as Stirls just said, you know, Four Pines and, and, um, and pirate life; those guys, uh, you know, seem to have gotten a shot in the arm, really, from from being able to um, to move on from being worried about, you know, can they can they write all the paychecks next week, um, to to looking ahead to the future, you know, and and with confidence and knowing that that you know that that if they continue to do great work, then they can continue to go ahead and leaps and bounds. One of the things that the big breweries haven't done very well um, in terms of 
the, the their brands is, is the actual branding. They make very good beer, but their brands tend to be a little bit clunky and unwieldy. And you've been instrumental in creating a brand that is, you know, very very strong. Are you at all worried about um, you know the higher pay grades wanting to sort of mess around with with Bolter and uh, we'll, we'll see some changes there. Mate, well, hey, look, not that I know of, um, you know, we've sort of set this up to protect our business and all those fundamentals we are talking about earlier. And, um, you know, as long as I'm staying out of the way of ABAC, I don't think they'll be knocking on our door <laughs> too much, you know. So, um, you know, I think, um, mate, I'm not too concerned about that. Like we said, they've, um, the brand is a big part of what they've, um, seen as valuable you know and I think um, they just want to give us a bit of autonomy there just to to kind of back that and see how we could potentially take that brand above the line and and do some different activations with so mate I'm not super concerned um, you know if you look at CUB's history they have a, uh, a good track record of creating a lot of fun around their brands as well you know Carlton United as, as a brand of its own has created some of the greatest advertising in history and um, you know, so I think there's, a, there's actually a good lineage there as well. Um, and from all accounts, um, they want to give us autonomy to continue doing it, you know, allowing Bolter to be what it is. Will we see some of your uh, YouTube videos take on the scale of the big ad? Mate, uh, I don't think any ad in the history of ads will ever take on the scale of the big ad. But, um, mate, who, who knows? I'll never say never. Um, the bottom line is we're just going to keep having fun with it, this, you know, you know, we all show up to work um, tomorrow. Uh, there's, we're not all just drifting off into the, the sunset, you know, we've got a, a long uh, commitment ahead of us and, and we're super pumped on it. Um, so mate, I think, um, who knows where it'll go. Um, all I want to do is show up and do great work. It's what's motivated us for the last, you know, three and a half years. Um, you know, none of us are motivated by being mediocre. So, you know, we're, we're here to show up tomorrow and just come and do the very best work we can. And and um, hopefully, you know, our community still feels that it's the same old Bolter. And one for, for Mick, um, if he's still with us. Mick, when you and the guys first came up with the idea for a brewery, what, what was your vision for where you wanted to take it? Um, yeah, look, our, our first sort of look at it was just, we just wanted to make good beer. And, um, you know, I think we even sat down with Scotty a few times and he asked us that exact same question. And, uh, yeah, we just, we just saw, saw, uh, you know, we wanted to create a business that everyone was, um, really proud of proud to work here and and I feel like we've done that um you know you walk through the brewery on any given day and everyone's pumped to be here so um yeah it wasn't wasn't um we we weren't looking at an exit strategy from when we started we were just like we just want to make good beer and um have a as, lot of fun doing it as Bede said he just want to get free beer yeah <laughs> pretty much <laughs> an expensive way to go about getting free beer but it's <laughs> worked yeah are you re- required under the sale to be uh, still involved in, from a branding perspective, Mick? Will, you know, will we see CUB wanting to put you a little bit more front and centre um, f- from a marketing point of view? Yeah, so as, as Ian was saying before, all upper management are staying and so are all the, uh, the founders. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're here to support the guys as, as much as we possibly can and, um, yeah, just keep 
trying to yeah make this brand a lot more fun and uh, have a, have a good time while we're doing it because at the end of the day too we we still support these guys a, a thousand percent so um, yeah we're 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 really keen to um, keep working with the guys and and st- honour that commitment. Probably this one for Scotty and going back to that theme of what does this say about the beer industry? You, you know you were I believe you were Stone and Wood's first employee outside of the founders. Is that right? Uh, yeah, mate. Yeah. And uh, you sort of were with them through, you know, really um, turbocharged growth. Um, and, you know, that, that I would imagine what was exhausting for you and, you know, you, you took a bit of a break before you joined Bolter and then you jumped on another uh, roller coaster. Um, you know, how hard is it to start a brewery and have ambitions to, to, to grow it? It's not for the faint-hearted, mate, I've got to say that. Um... Um, anyone who thinks this is glamorous is watching far too much Instagram, probably. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's, for me, you know, this game is, it's as rough and tough as they come just because you have high expectations, you know, and and if you start to, to really distill your passion and, and work really hard and put your head down, you start to see something that, shows up in your beer glass that inspires people and and you know the that you have support and along you know you sort of start to pick up a a, a head of steam and, a, and away you go and then pretty much straight away then you'll hit you'll hit the outer boundaries like immediately and and bang you're up against the wall again and you've got to start to build again and and go again and and it's almost like you're clawing your way out of the pit constantly and the pit just gets deeper and and you realize you look down you go holy shit i'm a long way from the ground now but the peak is still a long way above you and uh, you know there's there are times you know um exactly right through the early stone and wood years that were just um they were insane and um you know, when you've got a young family and you're trying to do a bit of study like I was at the, you know, at the same time, which was kind of nuts when I'm already doing 60 and 70 hour weeks. Um, I guess in a way it battle hardens you as well. Um, it taught me a lot about the beer industry, working with uh, Brad Ross and Jamie, um, you know, and, you know, I, I actually love the fact that um, I'm part of their history and they're, they're part of mine, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful, but it did steal me for battle, I guess. And you're right. I had about 18 months at, at Byron Bay Brewery where I sort of got to just to see the lay of the land, I guess a bit more. And then, um, when these guys, um, um, got on the phone and, and, uh, I went to start, you know, talking to these guys and, and away we went again, but this was, this was different because for me, this was really was from the, you know, pretty much from the very start. So it was incredibly rewarding, but incredibly humbling to have just been able to have had this opportunity. I, I've, I've met a lot of brewers from uh, all over the world who've, who've been in, in through Bolter and, and seen um, what we've done here. And they, you know, guys from much bigger breweries than we've got, you know, who shake their heads and go, you know, that's, you've got to build a once in a lifetime brewery and and um yeah i don't i don't sort of take that lightly and i don't take it for granted that's for sure but um yeah it's it's a tough game and it's if you know i think most people would 
hope to be in a similar position because if you're not completely flogged out and exhausted, you probably haven't sold enough beer and you're probably <laughs> going to be even more stressed because you can't pay your bills or you've got people you owe money to or you've got beer sitting in tanks that you should be should be gone and ready to go again. You know, it's a, it's a never-ending cycle. Um, but having said that, you know, when it's... I don't know whether it's just me, but it's in my blood, Matt. Um, you know that. Like, I'm compelled to brew. You know, if it all ended tomorrow, I'd still wake up and probably brew at home in the JL just for the hell of it, you know. But, but you, are, you are compelled to brew and you've been a part of an incredible team and on this, this, this ride with Bolter that you've got a great emotional investment in. Yep. Taking all of that aside, if you saw a business as an outsider like Bolter that was owned by CUB and you saw that they were looking for a, a brewer, would you apply for that job? Depends. It depends on um, what the challenge was. It depends on um, it depends on whether I thought I could make a difference. I think, um, you know, to to show up and get a job with Brad Rogers, you know, back in two thousand and nine. Um, I think in a in a way it showed, uh, uh, you know, a, a bit of gumption to to get in there and, and get in amongst it with Brad, you know, because he's one of the most you know, acclaimed brewers that, you know, of, you know, of this current era, I suppose. So for me, it was about what, what can I learn in there with Brad and, and, you know, what are the challenges and how can I actually make a difference? And, and I think in the four years I was there, I, you know, that I did make a difference and it's, you know, it's, it's the same with any sort of gig I've ever had, like as Ant and Stirl said before, and Mick also, you know, we're all, there's nothing mediocre about what we do because we've just we've all got too much pride and in, in each other, but in ourselves. None of us want to let the side down ever, you know. And um, um, as for that, yeah, I don't, I don't know, mate. Like it, it would depend on on what the beer was and what the kit was and what I was there for, you know. Did you know? It, it would very much depend on the mission, I think. I think, mate, just jumping in. The, this business is really being built around. Um, you know, we talk a lot about excellence within our business and we created a, a team from the very beginning, I suppose, you know, we like it to a football team and um, we're a close bunch of crew. We don't always uh, agree on everything, but um, we've really got each other's back. We, we always have and we always will. And, um, you know, the ethos that I run the business of is really we have to be uh, better tomorrow than we are today. So we're always in a constant pursuit of learning and a constant pursuit of improvement. And... That's really been the driver of this business. Um, and if you can do that, you can inspire yourself, you can challenge yourself every day, you can challenge your employees. Um, and that's that's what we look forward to. We actually now look forward to the big challenges of, you know, out of everyone. I've, I've had days at home and I'm, I'm probably in the shower throwing up from the stress of, of making sure I've got enough money to, to pay the, to pay the um, employees in the coming weeks or we didn't get a number on our cash flow and it's worse than we thought. And, um, but that's the challenge that, that we take head on in this business. And we've always done it as a collective bunch of mates, um, senior management, and we do that as a total business now. And even right down the packaging floor right up, we've got everyone's back. And um, we just want to be better tomorrow than we are today. And um, if you have that ethos, you can learn a lot in life. Um, we never sit on our, our, our hands and we never take anything for granted. And um, even the days after we win the awards and, and things like that in those special moments, we straight away working out how can we how can we be how can we be better how can we get the 
the canning line more efficient? How can we get the kegging line more efficient? How, how can we be better communicators? And that constant pursuit of improvement is, is probably the, the, the one thing we all have in common. One last question. I'm not sure who to direct it to, but potentially Sterling. Um, at the moment, I believe you do have the Independence logo on, on your cans. That's obviously will be coming off and it's not a guarantee of quality. It's not a guarantee of anything else, but it is something that consumers to be you know, for, for that brand to mean anything, consumers have to invest in what that logo stands for. What what should they be feeling or what you know what would you expect they're feeling about you know the, the loss of another significant independent brewery mate i think people um you know there's going to be people out there for sure that are disappointed there's no doubt about it and and you know if they hold if they hold independence in high regard that that will be the outcome and we fully respect that like we do understand that there will be people that go, i don't want to drink your beer anymore I think for us, since we started this, we just had a simple mission of good beers for everybody. And we wanted to deliver that with enjoyment and create a sense of fun about our brand. And I feel like over the last three and a half years, we've done the very best we can to deliver on that promise. And as a result, we have this amazing community um, that just that just rally around us and, and us around them, you know, and it, it's quite amazing. and. So for me um, and for us, uh, you know, we've just got a pretty simple philosophy of if the same crew are here with the same ingredients, with the same work ethic and the same values, and I guess the same sense of fun that we've sort of conjured together to create Bolter, then hopefully we can set people's mind at ease that um, we're not going to drop the ball on tomorrow because um, none of us want to do that. It's not in our nature to drop the ball on people. and. Um, you know, it's a pretty emotional thing for us, but um, yeah, we're going to show up tomorrow and, and, and show them that we're the same as we were yesterday and there'll be people disappointed, but hopefully the proof will be in the tinny, mate. And um, in a few months' time, whether it be six or 12 or, or two, they'll taste the bowl of beer and it'll be the same delicious little morsel that they've come to trust us to make. And, um, and we're definitely going to be delivering a whole lot of fun with that as we have to date. So... Mate, um, yeah, that's all we can do. And we can talk to we're blue in the face, but people will ultimately decide. It's how they've um, decided on Bolter to this very point in time. And we respect their decision-making, you know. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to show up tomorrow and uh, continue to do what we do. And, um, you know, we've built our trust in our brand too around the promise of delivering good beer. We never sort of stood on the soapbox of independence and, even though independence is a great thing, um, it's never been the thing we've used to um, tell our story. Our story has just purely been about good beer. And um, as the free market will always decide whether you're full of shit or not. And um, we're very thankful that um, our community believe in us. And um, hopefully from tomorrow onwards, I'll, I'll continue that, mate. Oh, guys, thank you very, very much for your time. Uh, congratulations, uh, Sterling and Scott and Mick, and uh, you know, all, all, all the very best uh, with the, the, the next chapter of the Bolter journey. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Thanks a lot, Matt, and thanks for everything, mate, you do for the good beer movement. You're an absolute legend in this field.
And that was Sterling Howland, Ant McDonald, Scott Hargraves and Mick Fanning. I'd like to thank the four of them for making themselves available to discuss the sale and I wish them well. If you'd like to hear more discussion and analysis about the sale, subscribe to the Radio Brews News podcast and we will be discussing it on this week's Brews News Week. You can find Radio Brews News in your favourite podcast aggregator or otherwise go to www.brewsnews.com.au to find out more.